Who's this, Big Steve? Uh, the last time I played this was like a few weeks ago. This is I Prevail. Oh. Hour to the game, the game after work. If you went to work. Yeah. Game after dark. Some people still ain't working this week. Well, COVID doing its thing. Yeah. It is Hitting definitely no again. stranger around our studios. Half our force is out. I'd like to read an interesting tweet here from a KU fan. Unbelievable. Our flight to Memphis got canceled, so we're driving. Rumors of no running water in the Liberty Bowl Stadium. This is embarrassing. Our Jayhawks deserve better than this for the season we had. Big 12 should have helped us get to at least the Texas Bowl. Man, Big 12, what's your response to that? It didn't help KU get to the Texas Bowl. Man, that's tough. No running water at the Liberty Bowl Stadium? Sir, you should try Memorial Stadium in Lawrence. If you think that's bad. Whew. Porta potties everywhere there in Lawrence. Anywho, Mitch Fortner and Big Steve coming up here in hour number two. We'll get you in number one song of the day, and it's kind of festive for the uh, the recent issues in our country. Ask us anything. We're going to get a little update from uh, Derek Young. He won't join us, but he did provide an update on things observed at uh, bowl practice today for K-State at the Caesars Superdome. By the way, since it's become Caesars Superdome, I like what they've done with the Superdome, adding the Caesars logo to things. I think it's a sharp logo. It's clean living. Looks good. It's classy. I mean, if there is class when it comes to, like, Las Vegas, I mean, Caesars Palace is up there. Absolutely is. Coming up here in just a few moments, we'll hear from Tony Sakalis, who is the uh, managing editor for TideIllustrated.com. That's the Alabama Rivals site. All right, it's been another hour. My flight is still set to happen. But what's freaking me out now, if I wasn't freaking out enough already, because I'm worried about this flight getting canceled, it is Southwest. It's out of Wichita. My flight's at 610. Tomorrow, i got to lay over in St. Louis. So i got a couple of flights, honestly, to worry about. Uh, they're still both still good to go. But now I'm starting to see people tweet more like, well, it looks like my th- my my Thursday flights are canceled and like, oh my God, like, I don't know like what the percentage is of how many flights Southwest has been canceling. So you're booked through Southwest then? Yes. I missed the top of the show. Sorry. Yes. I, I am. Uh, my, my, uh, reservation is Southwest and I booked these flights a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. So, I mean, there was obviously at the time, no issue. And Southwest was a little bit cheaper than the other ones. I've always been a big fan of Southwest. I have uh, earned a lot of points through them. Now they're doing us dirty, and I don't like it. But I mean, that's why I fly Delta personally. But a lot of people fans of Delta. Um, I don't know, like Southwest is my favorite. I don't know who would come in second. I've had issues. I've also had great experience from a lot of airlines. I've never flown Spirit. Wouldn't recommend it. And, yeah. <laughs> Spirit is, yeah, what has been known as just like the trash airline. Like the plane feels like it's going to fall apart. It's dirty. It's basically diet Southwest. Yeah. What's that supposed to mean? <laughs> uh, I'm not a huge fan of Southwest, mostly because like they've had people like drug off of fights who had tickets and stuff like that. And they just well, have the best. Is that South, that's not Southwest's fault. 
uh, people are disorderly. No, they drug a doctor who wasn't doing anything wrong off of a flight like a couple years back. I wouldn't blame Southwest for that. I would blame the the people that like the flight attendants just did the, the wrong then. thing. Yeah, okay. I mean, just because one person screws up, I don't think that's a full. You, you know, know what? That's fair. That's fair. I'll let some of that baggage go. I mean, there are airlines that do have bad reputations for yeah. customer service. I'm not going to shout them out, but. Um, Anyway, yeah, this is the first, uh, I think, real true blemish. There used to be an, mm-hmm. a show on A&E, and it was basically a show of just people freaking out before they you know, board flights, Yeah, either for something wrong with their tickets to there was this lady that couldn't have her uh, husband come to the gate with her to drop off their, their stepkids or whatever. Uh, people too drunk. That's an interesting one to see yeah. how airlines deal with people that are too drunk to fly. How they handle that situation. And, and that is fascinating. Those, a lot of those people that are too drunk to fly, it's typically because they're f- afraid of flying, so they just get hammered or, so they don't have to deal with it. Well, I, I, that may be the case. I don't know if, if that's necessarily true or not. I, what I experienced though from that show or what I've seen mm-hmm. from that show is that people just haven't too much of a good time in the, in at the, the terminal. At the, in the terminal, yeah, at the bars. <laughs> Or you know it's a layover or whatever. You got three hours to kill, and you're 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 throwing a few back. And if you are noticeably intoxicated, you're probably not going to be allowed to fly. Right. That's why you only do a little, and then when you're on the flight, because most flights do serve alcohol. Yep. If you request it, then just do that up in the air. Plus, it'll hit you faster. You, you know. All right. Let's get to uh, let's get to our Alabama guest. As we do before every game, we preview. The opponent with a member of the media that represents that team. And this week with the Sugar Bowl on Saturday, the 89th All-State Sugar Bowl. The Cats playing Alabama for the first time ever. We are now joined by the managing editor of TideIllustrated.com, Tony Sakalis. Heading into the Sugar Bowl when K-State finds out it's going to be Alabama, expecting some opt-outs. That's just the culture of college football these days. But nobody opted out. Bryce Young, who's projected to go number one overall in the draft, Will Anderson, top five guy, and a number of others, all decide to still play in this bowl game. Did this come as a surprise to you? Yeah, it did. I mean, if you look at a guy like Bryce Young and, and Will Anderson, you know, I guess financially, if, if anything else, they didn't have anything to gain playing in this game. I mean, these guys are going to be top five picks. Bryce Young's projected by a lot of people to be the number one overall pick. Um, that's not going to change based on anything he does in this game. So why risk it, especially for a guy like Bryce Young? You look at it, he's got a shoulder injury. Um, so I, it's kind of a head-scratcher. But then again, like it goes back to, like I guess we shouldn't be surprised because Alabama always seems to do this. They always seem to kind of break the norms in, in, in these kind of cases. I guess that has to do a lot with with Nick Saban and, you know, kind of that Bama standard, I guess, if you will, that he pumps into the, the team. And I think he really just kind of preached uh, that, you know, he kind of like, you know, to, that they owe it to their teammates. I don't think he pressured either of those players, but I think just the overall culture of the program kind of made both of those teammates feel that, hey, you know, I, you know, I, I owe this to my teammates to play this final game. And you've got two returning team captains there in Bryce Young and Will Anderson. So that they've been back to back team captains. And I think they kinda of saw that and they were they wanted to like live up to that name, I guess, or that 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 standing on the team. And so then it kind of snowballs from there, right? Because then you've got Bryce Young and Will Anderson and if they're if they're, you know, kind of going in um 
making you know making that decision, then you've got you know how is somebody else going to not make that decision? So I think it's just it, it, it kind of you know, Bryce Young's playing and Will Anderson's playing, then from there, uh, I guess everyone has to play because no one's gonna no one's gonna opt out if those guys are on the field. When it comes to motivation to not only play but also to win this game, how much do you think it's based on Nick Saban goes on national television to plead his case and the team's case to be in the college football playoff and Alabama does not get into the college football playoff as a two-loss team? Where does that motivation sit by proving a point to the committee that they should have been in the top four? Yeah, I think Alabama's going to want to prove that point. I think they're, they're frustrated. I, I think if you if you asked Alabama if they really thought they were going to make it, I doubt anyone on – the team thought that Alabama was going to be voted in, or you know, by the by the committee. It seemed like it just wasn't going to happen. They didn't have the momentum, and it's just hard to get a two-loss team in there. I don't think any of this. I think if you really ask this team if they deserved it in terms of having two losses, it's a, it's a tough sell, right? But I think this team's definitely one of the best four teams uh, in the nation, talent-wise, and and you know, on its day, it's. it's it could compete for a national title. So I think they want to prove that and prove that, you know, that this is not just a, a nothing team, that this team had the talent. So I think they'll be looking to show that. And it looks like they're very motivated headed into the Super Bowl. Once the regular season wraps up, conference championships are over with, transfer portal once again comes into play. K-State has four players in the portal, but not really anybody that is a, a would be a key to this game for K-State trying to pull off an upset. Meanwhile, Alabama... As we record this, I believe the count was at 13. Anybody to you in the transfer portal from Alabama that have now entered the transfer portal considered you know, a key loss for this game? I think you know, just they, they, they lose five offensive linemen to the transfer portal, so that's just going to hurt the depth in general. Um, the, the biggest one of the would be um, Javion Cohen, who was a starting left guard. It was weird, though, because they've been moving him in and out with uh, Tyler Booker, a you know all SEC guard, um, so they do have a natural replacement there. But in terms of just what's probably hurting them the most is, is depth. It's just you know at the at that offensive line position that they really kind of they're down a, a, a lot of guys. It's it's tough to be down five guys at a position. You know, just pre- pre- preparing for a team. Uh, so that that's tough. Um, receiver wise, um, they lose JoJo Earl and Trayshawn Holden. Those guys are difference makers. Uh, to a certain extent, but I think Alabama's got guys that can replace them. You know, I don't. They, they neither of those guys are on the top two uh, receivers on the team. Trayshawn Holden had a really good Iron Bowl. Both those guys have been kind of off and on. They're, they're guys that you know could make a difference, but I don't. I wouldn't call them a key loss exactly. So nothing, nothing that Alabama can't overcome now, especially now that its stars have elected to play. I think it would have been more of a big deal if you would have had those transfer portal entrants and the stars opting out now that they have those guys coming back um, they should be able to handle this one tony sakalis is our guest he is a managing editor of tideillustrated.com really good read right now on their website to check out the number one recruiting class in the country full of five and four stars for alabama for next year tony let's take a look at alabama's offense heading into the sugar bowl fourth in the country and scoring 40.8 points per game that's a half point better than where tcu currently stands That's the team K-State beat to win the Big 12 championship. Of course, at quarterback, Bryce Young is a stud. Running back, all-purpose back, uh, Jameer Gibbs, absolute stud. Notice, you know, Bama does not have a 1,000-yard receiver this year, first time since 2017. But, you know, what are some big standouts when it comes to this Alabama offense? 
Yeah, the, as far as it's kind of a different offense, it doesn't have that first-round receiver like you said. I mean, they've got guys like Ja'Cory Brooks, who I think is, is a really good receiver, but I think he'd be more like a number two on some of these past Alabama teams. You know, they don't have that, that standout, you know, top ten kind of guy that, you know, is just going to come into the NFL the next year and, and light it up. Um, they, they probably won't have a, they won't have a, a, a player drafted at the wide receiver position uh, this year, which is you know kind of crazy when you look at the last few years. They've had what uh, five in the last three years, so uh, in the first round, um, they don't have that. It's a little bit different at the running back position too. You're used to seeing these big, powerful Alabama backs, and you know they're led by uh, Jameer Gibbs, kind of like more of like Alvin Kamara, Christian McCaffrey type, where you know they're they're going to throw to him a lot. Um, he, he can run the ball. He can carry the ball even 20 times, but they're going to throw to him. They're going to use him in a multitude of different ways. Um, and he's a huge weapon. And they really haven't had a running back like him in a, in a long while. So um, that's an interesting one. Obviously, Bryce Young is going to scramble in the pocket and make plays. Um, you know, and I think this offensive line has been kind of hit or miss. And we'll see uh, – how, how it comes out, like I said, they're, they're low in depth, but they, they return pretty much a starting five that they'll be comfortable calling a starting five. There's not going to be, you know, anyone too drastic missing there. So they should be able to kind of clear the way. And it's an offensive line that's been streaky. Sometimes, you know, Alabama's been really good. Sometimes it's failed to pick up some of those short yards, uh, you know, situations. So um, that'll be interesting to see how that plays out. And that could have a big, you know, influence in the game and they're going to need to be able to pick up those third and threes and and you know the the, the goal line situations and Alabama's been kind of hit or miss with that this year my opinion only a couple of times this season has there been an opposing defense heading into a game that's better than K-State's defense I think Alabama's would on paper certainly you know have that identity heading into the Sugar Bowl ninth best in the country only allowing 18 points per game and they're really good on defensive, uh, on stopping offenses on third down, only allowing 29% on conversions. But of course, I mean, the storyline with the defense, defensive ends is going to be really fun to watch. Felix Andy DK Uzama, a high draft pick if he decides to go this year. Will Anderson, I voted him to be the Heisman Trophy winner last year. But what else about this defense should K-State watch out for? It's a tough defense. I would say that, you know, with K-State, you know, being able to run the ball, I would say that that's kind of right in Alabama's wheelhouse, but I can't really say that too much because Alabama just let Auburn run for more than 300 yards in the Iron Bowl, which is very uncharacteristic of uh, of this defense. This defense can be, you know, I talked about not being consistent on the offensive line. I think the whole defense, you can look at it, it can be the best defense in the nation some days, and then some days it can just be, you know, undisciplined. It can make penalties. Uh, it can have breakdowns in the coverage. Um, when it's playing at its best, it's got two elite pass rushers, actually more, it's like three elite pass rushers um, in Will Anderson, Dallas Turner, and Chris Braswell. Those are three five-star guys. They run out packages sometimes against passing formations, and they can really terrorize the quarterback. Um, the, the secondary has been a little shakier. You've got um, Eli Ricks, who's been off and on. You've got Kool-Aid McKinstry at the cornerback positions. You've got uh, two seniors, a, a safety and Jordan Battle and DeMarco Hellum, um, those are guys that it can really hit. Um, and they can make plays in coverage, but I think that they've been kind of exposed at times in coverage. So, you know, it's a team where if you look at the Tennessee game, that Tennessee spread the ball out, really exploited this Alabama secondary. It's something you can do. 
I think if, if you know, teams do pass, if you look at this Alabama defense and it needs to get to the quarterback, it needs to take advantage of those three five-star guys I was talking about. But um, it's a solid unit. It can get to the quarterback. It can stop the run. Despite, despite its performance in the Iron Bowl, it usually can stop the run. Um, it's got a, a, a pretty stout front seven, and um, it, it, it can be a real unit. It's just a matter of getting it to play to that consistency. All right, Tony, we'll wrap up. I think I can speak for K-State fans that you know it's an honor to be playing Alabama in the Sugar Bowl and just playing Alabama in general. It's the first meeting between these two programs and to play against Nick Saban. K-State fans are absolutely fired up for this opportunity. First time in the Sugar Bowl as well, and you get to play the dynasty of college football. On the flip side, I know Alabama fans were expecting bigger things, expecting to go to the playoff and compete for a national championship every year. In Alabama, this is their 17th Sugar Bowl. It's, they've been here many times. What do you feel like is the uh, for the fan base? Like, Do you feel like the fans of Alabama, they're really going to show up in droves into New Orleans and be fired up for this one? I wonder, you know, because I, I, they've been to New Orleans somewhat recently, but on the on the flip side, it's not that hard of a drive. So you think maybe they go. The Super Bowl's still a big deal. I mean, not many of these bowls have the allure if they're not in the playoffs. But I don't know. To me, at least, the Sugar Bowl is kind of one of those bowls that stand out. You, you talked about, uh, you know, the first matchup between Alabama and K State. I think. Just personally, I think that's kind of interesting. And then, you know, it's an interesting situation where you're playing the Big 12 champion. Um, I think that kind of amplifies the matchup a little bit as well. Um, and, and for no other reason for Alabama fans to come, I think you look at it, you know, the fact that Bryce Young and Will Anderson are playing in their last game, I think, you know, some fans are going to want to give them a nice send-off. So uh, I'm not sure if Alabama fans are going to, you know, come out. I think if they do, it just comes more to convenience where – it's a lot easier to get out there uh, to New Orleans than it is from Manhattan. But at the same time, you said it, I think the K-State fans that come there are going to be a little bit more enthusiastic. Uh, this is a big deal. There's, you know, I think this is a, a sign that K-State's kind of moving in the right direction, whereas Alabama might feel like this uh, this season was a step back of where it's supposed to be. So, you know, um, two different energies heading into this one. But, um you know, I hope both fan bases show out. I like kind of having those those bowl games where there's a little bit of a buzz around it. So we'll have to see what it looks like next week. Well, Tony, this is going to be a really exciting ball game. Can't wait for this one to kick off at Caesar Superdome at 11 a.m. Really appreciate your time and uh, enjoy the game. Yeah, thanks. It's Tony Sakalis. He is the managing editor for Tide Illustrated, Alabama's rival site. Up next... Some good news coming out of K-State's practice that was open for a short time to the media earlier today in New Orleans. Those details after the break. I've never heard this in my life. It's actually a newer track. It's from the band Set It Off. No idea. Really? Well, they're not very, like, superly wide known. They were big and popular, like, really hardcore, like, about, like, eight years back during the real, like, emo slash scene type stuff. Yeah, not my my cup of tea. That is all day my cup of tea. Replace my blood with it, all right? 
Phone number is 537-1350. If you want to get a call in, now is the time to do it. Mitch Fortner and Big Steve, just us two today. The plan for the rest of the week, tomorrow will be our annual best of the year show. We usually do two of them, uh, but I guess this year we're just going to do the one. That'll be tomorrow since tomorrow is supposed to be a travel day for moi. Thursday and Friday, hopefully, we'll be joining you live in New Orleans, Louisiana. The plan for Friday is to do what we did last year, have the uh, the pep rally on K-Man. You can listen to it right here. The doors will open at 4 for the pep rally there at the New Orleans uh, Convention Center. I, I never saw like a for sure like start time, but I would imagine 5 o'clock-ish, and it would go for about – an hour, but we plan to be joining you live from New Orleans Thursday and Friday. We'll have a number of uh, co-hosts with me on those two days as well. Troy Coverdale, unfortunately, not going to be able to make the trip with me to the 89th All-State Sugar Bowl. Cats going to the Sugar Bowl for the first time ever for Alabama. It'll be their 17th. They've lost the last two, including the only loss to a Big 12 team for Nick Saban at Alabama, the 2014 Sugar against the Oklahoma Sooners, and it was not a part of the college football playoff. That was the 2013 season. It was the year prior to the first one. All right, so earlier today, if you've been paying attention to social media, you've seen a couple of videos, not only from Kansas State, but also from members of the media that are already in New Orleans catching some uh, some pictures of uh, who's been practicing and who's out. Well, the, there's a lot of good news, in my opinion. Uh, Derek Young from Kaysen Online was uh, very cool to send me a few of those, and one of them was about Malik Knowles. Malik injured in the Big 12 championship game a few weeks ago to uh, in the win against TCU. He's got a small leg brace on, but he is good to go. That is fantastic news. He's a leading receiver for the Cats, over 700 yards this year. That is a career high for Malik Knowles. Uso Sayamalu who was a backup nose guard, you might remember um, on the third down play in overtime on the goal line stand, he was injured on the play. I think that was only his only play of the game, and he was injured. That means um, Damian Leo, the graduate from Manhattan High, would come into play that final snap for the defense in the Big 12 championship game, but Uso is also practicing. D.Y. says he did not see any limitations. He's needed a couple of weeks, and he is uh, doing just fine. Uh, also, for um, for Echo Boydo, the only thing I got on that was that he was warming up, running around, doing some things. Hopefully, he's going to be good to go. I think he's most likely just... Trying to see if he can go, trying to feel if anything is, uh, you know, needs some more rest or if he's not in too much pain that he will be able to play. Adrian Martinez did practice. He was a full go. When I say full go, full go for the practice, they were in half shells, which means they were just in shoulder pads and a helmet. They weren't wearing no leg pads. They were all in shorts. Adrian Martinez did practice, had a brace on. But he looks available. He really does. We do know Will Howard will be the starting quarterback. We know that for a fact. Chris Kleiman told us last week. They're going to try to get Adrian in the game. In what capacity? Not sure. But a very good chance Adrian will be on the field in some way on Saturday. 
He has never played in a bowl game. I know that's very important to Coach Kleiman and the staff to get Adrian on the field to be able to say that he got that experience to play in a bowl game for the first time in his career. Other than that, that's pretty much it. The other update was Kobe Savage. Now, I know it's hard these days to figure out with all these transfers how much um, eligibility do these guys have, and I believe Kobe has a – well, he was a junior this year, so he has at least one, right? One year of eligibility remaining. Well, he was injured a couple of weeks prior to the Big 12 championship game, if I remember correctly. I can't remember which game it was now. I'm blanking on it. But he is uh, he was on a stationary bike. He's already underway with coming back with his rehab and be ready to go for next year. So that's good news. It was a lot of good news. Alabama, there really wasn't anything out of their practice. No opt-outs for either team. Uh, they had a backup linebacker as a couple of sacks on the year on a stationary bike, but we already know that he his last name's Moody. We already knew that he was going to be out for this game. He is not going to play. But other than that, all the guys that we thought might opt out for this game on both sides of the football for both teams – they're all playing in this game. Sugar Bowl, 11 a.m. on Saturday, Power Cut Game Day at 7 in the morning. We'll take a timeout. Your number one song of the day is coming up next. All my bags are packed. I'm ready to go. I'm standing here outside your door. I hate to wake you up. Say goodbye But the dawn is breaking It's early morn Taxi's waiting He's blowing his horn Already I'm so lonesome I could cry Thought this would be fitting so today kiss me and smile for me Tell me that you'll wait for me Hold me like you'll never let me go I'm leaving on a jet plane I don't know when I'll be back again Oh babe, I hate to go There's so many times I've let you down So many times I've played around I tell you now they don't mean a thing from 1969, Leaving on a Jet Plane by Peter, Paul, and Mary. Now, as you can tell, it's not the John Denver version. One week at number one. It's fitting because let's break down the chorus a little bit. I'm leaving on a jet plane. Questionable, right? Supposed to be doing that tomorrow, but I mean, it's Southwest. I, I, I'm not sure if that is true or not. We'll find out in 24 hours. Don't know when I'll be back again. That's very true. Because I can leave. And who knows? Maybe there'll be more flights canceled and then I'm sitting in a hotel and God forbid, New Orleans, Louisiana, so rough. How could I stand that? And it could be another few days before I get out of there. I'm supposed to come back on January 2nd. Or maybe... I just fall in love with New Orleans too much. I can't leave. I've never been known to be that spontaneous. Who is, really? But you never know. I do love that place. A whole bunch. My cousin has a pretty nice house there in New Orleans. Maybe I could bunk up there for a few weeks before I find a place. 
Maybe uh, thinking about buying one of those garden district houses, you know? Is this your official resignation here, Mitch? It's not official. It's just kind of like... It's a possibility. It's not a two-week notice. It's like a four-week notice. (laughs) I'm giving myself some breathing room. I once left a four-week notice. In other words, a month. month. Yeah. All right, Peter, Paul, and Mary, they're from New York City, another place I love. I've actually lived there. Call myself a New Yorker. I think that's fair. I'm sure Lindsay's listening, and she would absolutely agree. Uh, They formed in 61. They were huge in the American folk phenomenon that was in the 60s. They were the tenor in Peter Yarrow, baritone Paul Stuckey, and... Contralto, I think I'm saying that right. Mary Travers, she's the, she's the only one that has passed away in the group. But they had a number of uh, folk hits, early to mid-60s. This was actually their final song to reach the top 40. After uh, Travers passed away in 09, Yarrow and Stuckey, they continued to perform as a duo. But I don't think they've been around since about the last six or seven years. But they were inducted into the Vocal Group Hall of Fame in 1999, and they received a Lifetime Achievement Award from the Songwriters Hall of Fame in 2006. Seven studio albums, 12 top 40 hits, and this was their only number one. From the album 1700, their seventh studio album, this song was written by John Denver. At the time, he wasn't known for being John Denver. He wasn't really known at all. He was a part of this group called the Chad Mitchell Trio. That was before he began his solo career in the 70s, but he wrote this song in 67 while he had a layover in uh, Washington, D.C. Now, John Denver, the reason Peter, Paul, and Mary got their hands on this is because they were actually friends. John Denver and Peter, Paul, and Mary, they're all friends. They even had the same producer. That's how they got to know each other. Now, the Chad Mitchell Trio also recorded the song the same year as Peter, Paul, and Mary. Did not become a hit until Peter, Paul, and Mary released the song a couple of years after recording it. But how about this? I mean, this is honestly the reason, this song is the reason John Denver became a big deal. The kicker here is that John Denver, when he decided to leave the Chad Mitchell Trio and uh, and become a solo artist, he would bill himself as John Denver, comma, writer of Leaving on a Jet Plane. That's how he performed. Did he have banners above the stage? I don't know, but I think that would be sweet. You know, like bands, they have a big banner that has their name on it. Imagine John Denver up top, and then in big, bold letters, he would have Ryder of Leaving on a Jet Plane. What that means is people would go nuts for one song. Absolutely. But it did get him gigs. Started playing some clubs. Got even some TV gigs. And then started to get the attention, started to write some songs and release some albums on his own in the 70s. But it's because of this where he got his big start. 
When I think of this song, I think of the movie Armageddon. You ever seen that? I need to. I've been told it's a good film. You ever, you know what it's about? Probably Armageddon. Uh, well, no, not not necessarily. A meteor is going to crash into Earth. Okay. And they're going to, you know, NASA is going to launch some astronauts into space, and they're going to go blow this thing up. Okay. Which, by the way, I, I've I've done my I shouldn't say done some research, but I saw uh, that a scientist like calculated everything, mm-hmm. and we do not have anything. No. Remotely close. We're done. If it if it's had a, it's yeah. say your goodbyes and if there was bye. a me- if there was a meteor that was capable of just wiping us out. Yeah, we're we're toast. Yeah, w- which accounts for the speed that it's heading towards Earth and also just the size. We have nothing to yep. stop it. Impossible. Another good movie is Don't Look Up. That one was really Yes, good. that was a very good movie. Very good movie. Uh, but it was a scene where uh, old Ben Affleck and Liv Tyler, they were a love interest, and uh, he sang this song to her okay. before he went off into outer space. Aw. What do you say? Let's take a, uh, take a quick break. When we come back, Big Steve will host us. Little ask us anything after these words. On a jet plane, I don't know when I'll be back again. <laughs> the the actor Martin Lawrence has put up something very random on Twitter. It's just a it's a picture of twenty things listed. It's a never have I ever, and you just give yourself one point for each thing that you haven't mm-hmm. done. Do you have any tattoos? I do. My wedding band. Oh yeah, that's right. I have seen that before, but that's the only one. Uh, I plan on getting more. My ultimate goal is to get full sleeves, both arms, up to the neck, down the back, down the chest, down the legs, like cover everything. All right. Before we get to your questions, I just want to ask, what'd you get for Christmas? What I got for Christmas was a bunch of snacks because I love my junk food. Uh, a couple of gift cards, which I promptly then. Uh, turned into digital steam wallet currency and bought a ton of new games on steam so yeah that was a foreign language steam is basically pc games yeah so no i've heard of it uh i uh shout out to Lindsay and shout out to my fam for teaming up to get me an xbox series x hey there you go you gotta let me know how you enjoy it I played it a little bit. I like it a lot. I want to get now the the TV, okay. you know, the uh, 4K, yeah, whatever. You still don't have a 4K TV. I don't. Wow. I don't. I haven't okay. bought a TV in five or six years. Yeah, we've got a 4K one out in the living room. In the bedroom, we just have a bone stock 1080p one because, like, we don't need super ultra resolution trying to fall asleep to you know family guy reruns you know also my uh lindsey my girlfriend made me some t-shirts okay that are hashtag my boy t-shirts there you go with 22 on the front and on the back it says hashtag my boy nice you're gonna have to wear those around the station somewhere uh yeah i actually have them at home i will i'm i'm gonna wear (laughs) the long sleeve version in new orleans nice I'll see if I can spot you on the TV broadcast then, huh? Uh, you will not see me. Yeah, I promise that. Go ahead. Okay, well, the Across the Glass sister station Ask a K-Rocker question today was basically recently a Kansas City Chiefs superfan got busted for robbing banks. It got David G over at K-Rock thinking, how long do you think you could stay on the run after you robbed a bank? For David G, Man. he said he'd make some giant blunder end up busted in 14 minutes. 
Well, that's the thing. If you can, you can't buy anything with a car. Well, I don't even know how you get a car unless you stole. You you have to commit more crimes to stay on the run. I don't have the stomach for it. I can commit one, and then after that, I'm like, all right, I give up. I'm good for the month, you know. Okay. So you think you'd get caught pretty quick? Oh, then? absolutely. Anybody. <laughs> you know, odds are you're ninety nine percent chance you're going to get yeah. caught. Uh, yeah. I, there's no way. I And you'd like to either have to hide out in the woods mm-hmm. or squat in some house. Like, there's no chance. You're going to get caught sooner or later. Somebody's going to... If you get in contact with somebody, they're going to probably rat you out. Because if Absolutely. they don't, they're in major trouble. Mm-hmm. Because then they get hit with harboring. All right, next question as we're running out of time here. People are now like cars. What would your check engine light be on for? Ooh. The Mitch Fortner check engine light for Mitch Fortner. The check engine light. I don't know. Like I've I've rarely had the check engine light come on. It's usually for something pretty minor. Mm-hmm. What lights usually turn on for me is like like transmission fluid. Is that like one of the lights? Yeah, drivetrain. Yeah. Oil. Okay. Get your oil change. I have that light pop up once in a while. Actually, the, the most common one for me is, hey, dog, you're running out of gas. <laughs> I feel that. If I had a check engine light, mine would be out of gas. I'm constantly tired. I am not a daytime person. I'm more of a stay up all night kind of person. You were telling me, though, like uh, your brother wanted you to change out like the bulbs of your head, yeah, of the headlights. Yeah, I'll, and you can I'll, do that. I'll rant on this here real quick. So thanks, Honda. Uh, apparently for my brother's car, you got to take the entire bumper cover off. To change two light bulbs, which instead of being five minutes is now an hour's worth of work. When I could have easily just popped the lamps out and put them back in my car, it's that easy. I can pop the entire assembly out in two seconds. Who can change a a tire faster, you or your wife? Me, because I've done it a lot. She knows how. Just doesn't do it a lot. Well, that's going to do it for the game. Big Steve, thank you for the questions. Really appreciate it. Again, for tomorrow, best of 2022, as I'm planning to travel to New Orleans, leaving on a jet plane, don't know when I'm coming back again. All makes sense right now. And then we're supposed to be live from New Orleans Thursday and Friday from 4 to 6. For Big Steve, Mitch Fortner, we're out of here. Go Cats. Ciao.